Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. The Square Ball Podcast. Hello there. Welcome to the show. It's brought to you in association with Levi Solicitors, who will offer you what, Michael? Discounts on legal services. Yes, he's getting there. He's getting there. Uh, Phil Hayes here with us. Um, we'll speak to Phil in a second about the takeover. We now have white smoke, which is great news. Um, first up, we need to say you can get a 15% discount on Will's probate and conveyancing. Big three. The big three, as Michael describes them. 10% on uh, on everything else. Head to levisolicitors.co.uk forward slash Monday Club. That will be getting changed. It is not Monday. Uh, we keep reiterating this. But anyway, to business, Phil Hay, and we have White Smoke on the takeover, finally. First domino's fallen. Yeah, we need to call this the early part of the week club, really. Although when the season starts, we will revert to Mondays, um, for sure. It's not even just White Smoke around the takeover, is it? We've got for signing about to go through the door. We've got addition to the technical scouting department um, in Greater Steinson as well. It was kind of all happening yesterday, um, and particularly late in the evening, amid probably the most... Surprising announcement I've ever seen at Leeds that Michael Phelps was chucking money in as well, amongst all people. In at the deep end and so on and so forth. Sorry for that. Isn't it funny how like the whole uh, mindset of Leeds fans has just shifted now we've finally got some news after all that silence? Yeah, the the peculiarity of the last two or three weeks is that this has kind of always been coming, if you know what I mean. It, It was in the background, it was with the EFL. There was never any specific issue or never any hurdle which was going to stop it from happening it was just the process and the protocol of ticking all the boxes that the EFL insist on on making you tick and for a long period of time Leeds had no specific time scale for when this was going to end it wasn't as if it was going to take months and months but in terms of an exact date or an exact time even they were waiting as as long as we were but I think the the progress with Ethan Ampadu from Chelsea yesterday, the speed at which that that got agreed. It wasn't as if Leeds weren't in a position to do deals like that. They they could still get the ducks in a row in the, in the way that they did with Daniel Farker. But I think that one in particular coming to fruition for the value that that it's going to cost to sign him, it made you think that um, that something was on the way. But it was still very late last night when it came through. It was about nine o'clock when, when Leeds finally got the nod and then quarter past 10 when it was publicly announced. So it's been quite a long slog to this point. We've heard from... Andrea Radrazzani, and we've heard from Parag Marate. What do you both uh, make of that? It's interesting to hear Radrazzani expressing some regrets, I suppose, because it's, it's normally been a bit more, I tried my best, but it didn't quite work, whereas he was attributing a bit of blame this time, partly to himself, but also, I'm sorry I trusted you, was, was the <laughs> gist of, of what he said about, about Arthur, which is, it's sort of taking blame and pushing blame at the very same time, isn't it? I think probably as close to Arthur being thrown under the bus by anyone at Leeds as as we've seen it's funny because 
I was going back a few through a few of the interviews that I've done with Radrazani over the years. One in 2018 when Bielsa came in in that summer. And then again last summer after they, they avoided relegation. And I think the fact that Otto came up as a point of discussion in both of them, even going back to 2018, tells you that it's been a it's been a burning issue right the way through and been a, a burning topic of discussion. When we when we interviewed him last summer and asked him about that, we made the point to him that we thought recruitment hadn't been good enough, that the amount that had been spent, and that was the question, you know, £100 million has been spent, it hasn't had the desired effect or it doesn't seem to have done. And, and Radrazani said, when you mentioned about the market, you're right, but I don't think there is a club who nail every single player they purchase. Uh, I think we should put a line after three to five years to see how many players were successful or not to find the judgment over a period of time. We have cases where maybe the performances have not been at the level of investment. Then we have other cases, the opposite. Elan Melier is a fantastic example. So perhaps we are now at the point, you know, relegation behind them and Radrazani gone where he can actually take a view on that and, and he can see that, that it didn't work. But I think for a lot of people, that's been apparent for for quite a while longer. And the fact that Otter is no longer there himself, that, that that all came to an end, tells you pretty clearly that that it wasn't working and it didn't work, as does the outcome of last season. It's the closest we've come to a to a mere culpa, I think, from Radrazani, isn't it? Although, like you yeah. say, if, if you do read between the lines, it's it was a very much um, him chucking Otter under the bus. And it was interesting to draw parallels with what Parag Marate said. He's chatted to Matt Lewis on the official Leeds United uh, podcast, half an hour chat that you can see on YouTube and find on the audio channels as well. And it was interesting to hear him. He's, he's very measured, is Marate, isn't he? It was interesting, though, to hear him just place a little bit of distance between himself and Radrazani's ownership, uh, where he, he was sort of saying, I, I shared the frustrations of the fans and I had questions as well and I was a passenger on this journey, that kind of thing. I think he probably has to do that. And I think what you'll find with Marathi as he speaks more and more is, is that he will paint the picture of 49ers' enterprises as minority shareholders through that period, as opposed to having massive influence over Radrazani and, and being able to ultimately dictate the big decisions. I think you can reasonably counter that by saying that with a, a very big share in the boardroom, they can't have had no influence at all. But there is a difference between owning the club and, and being a minority partner. And, and it is now all on 49ers' enterprises. It is their club. They have a lot to sweep up and a lot to clean up after relegation, which is always the case when you go down. But but now the calls become theirs. So, you know, Radrazani wasn't involved in the interview process for Daniel Farker. Um, he won't have been in any way involved in the decision to bring in Greta Steinson to the um, the technical team. Um, he won't have been in any way involved in the decision to go after Ethan Ampadu at Chelsea. This is the this is your new regime making these decisions. And this is a new regime, I think, trying to do things slightly differently and, and to approach it in a different way to Radrazani's methods and, and um, Radrazani's hierarchy. Uh, but at the same time, it, it needs to work, you know, and, and you, I always find with takeovers, you move very quickly from the ability to to blame or to, to pick fault with what went on previously to people looking at you directly and expecting you to deliver because you're now in charge of the plane, as as um, Marathi puts it, he quite often uses that that phrase, you know, the idea that he was on the plane but but not actually flying it himself. Well, the hundred percent they are now. Yeah, and um he's gone further than just accepting responsibility for what happens next. He was talking it up, wasn't he? Talking about building a club to be proud of and mm. giving Daniel Farker the tools in the market by um getting into the transfer market, building a strong squad, as he described it. And not only that, he looked a couple of steps down the road to potential Premier League return and building a strong squad there for him, giving him the tools that he perhaps lacked at Norwich. Yeah, again, we've had the issue over the past three or four weeks of being able to speak about what we understood that the 49ers would try to do 
but them not actually speaking for themselves and and through the period where the takeover was pending, they've not actually been in a position to to do a great deal. So we expected them to go for a head coach uh, who would have experience in the championship or, or kind of proven ability to to succeed at that level. And we we mentioned Farka a lot, and and it has been Farka who's been appointed. And we spoke a few times about, and, and again he used this phrase, Marathi, about them being aggressive in the transfer window and. That doesn't kind of stand up to scrutiny when nothing is happening, and and, and I know people were frustrated about hearing that in the face of, of no players arriving. But then the first deal that they do is Ampadu, you know, seven million pounds rising to ten from Chelsea. And while over the past two or three years we've all got used to twenty-seven million pounds on Rodrigo and thirty million pounds on um, Jorginho Ruter and loan deals like Weston McKennie's that had that that option to bring him in for for thirty million plus. This is where they are now. This is them back at a different level and back in a, a very different market. And I don't know about you, but I think seven to ten million pounds is a sizable, chunky investment for a championship club. There are limits to what you can spend in this division. There are FFP limits that mean that you can't just invest excessively or, or you know, without um, without restrictions. And it strikes me that in terms of oh, obviously the, the window as a whole will well that'll be the, the proof will be in that pudding. But it strikes me that as a first deal. Ampadu is a fairly aggressive one. Makes sense to me. What about you? I think so, yeah. I did make the mistake of going on a Sheffield United forum and seeing what their fans had to say <laughs> about him from his time there, but it was admittedly part of an absolutely dismal season for them. It was our our season up when they were pretty much out of the running completely by Christmas. They'd already gone, so it was a very bad season he had How, how old was he then? Was he 19? Yeah, he was, he was still a teenager at the time and he was playing, he was moving position. He was sometimes at centre-back, sometimes in midfield. And it didn't go well from there. But he's played an awful lot of football for a 22-year-old and he's got he's got about 100 league appearances. He's got 40 Wales caps. So he's you're getting a lot of experience. But I guess the I guess the business model of finding players who can grow with the club and either just improve with us or be sold on, I guess that sort of stays in place. It does feel to me, Phil, what do you think? Like it's, you know, we, we said maybe one of the problems with Leeds over the last few years is they were always planning for a future that never arrived. Whereas this seems to be a sign in. and I won't pretend to know much about him beyond you know looking at the odd YouTube clip or whatever but it seems to be a sign in that makes sense for here and now and the level that we're at well, I think Michael got it right with him he, he has played a fair amount of football but he's in this weird position where he's you know for example got an international career with Wales which isn't far, far off 50 caps and has seen some pretty high level football with that you know, World Cup European Championship but I think as a domestic player He's still looking to find himself. He's still looking to find a proper home where he can he can put down roots. I know he's been at Chelsea for a long, long time, but I was talking to one of our Chelsea writers who was saying that between the season with Mauricio Sarri, where he didn't really play, and then the loan that he had at RB Leipzig, where he didn't really play either, that kind of ended the period of him being seen as a, a major development project to Chelsea. And it wasn't that there was no prospect at all of him getting in there. But it has been kind of like serial loans for him, you know, season after season. And, and Michael's right, he, he's young. He's been at clubs who have been in relegation trouble, not specifically because they've signed him, but but because the seasons just, just did not go well. And also the two moves to Italy and the, the move to Sheffield United, he was moving to teams who played in a very different way to Chelsea. So no huge amount of continuity there. I think the feeling is that he probably needs a fresh start. And I think... It's quite weird to say this because he is so, you know, he played so much at international level. I think he needs a move that is the making of him domestically. And yes, like Michael was right, I think, to say that this is investment in somebody who could grow in the future. 
But I think the difference is it's been done in the Championship as opposed to the Premier League. And I think if I was looking at this deal in the Premier League, I would be thinking to myself, this is a bit of a punt on somebody who you can't be sure will thrive at this level. Whereas in the Championship, I'm far more inclined to think that it could work. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Dare we say there's a bit of an optimistic air has descended in the last um, 24 hours after quite a lot of anxiety. Are you optimistic about Leeds United's chances? I mean, it's only one signing, plenty more work to do. Um, but the way that Marate is talking and the arrival of Ampadu, very hot on the heels of uh, of getting the green light uh, from the EFL. Um, it bodes well, potentially? Well, it's certainly the right signs and it's the, the right noises, although they're, they're going to have to do more than this in order to be as competitive as they want to be. And I'd go back again to retentions as well. I think the retention of certain players is is as crucial as the players who who they sign. Um, Willie Nonto was due back in this week. They've, they've not backed some interest from Everton in him and, and seem really intent on keeping Nonto if they can, the advantage is that he doesn't have a, a release clause, relegation release clause, clause in his contract, unlike just about everybody else in the squad. There are other exceptions too, but but most of them have some provision along those lines. So they can actually control that one. You know, that is a, a, a transfer that they can they can almost do as they please with. Don't get me wrong, it becomes very difficult if Nonto was to say, I want to leave, and or if there were offers that, that were really tempting for him. But again, if you make good signings and, and if you look like you're being ambitious um, in the market, existing players will be more tempted to stick around because they'll like the look of it, they'll like the look of, of what it can become. And I don't imagine there are too many players at Leeds who dislike the idea of going back into the Premier League with Leeds. The question for them is going to be, do they want to have a season in the Championship in the meantime? In terms of those players we might be looking to keep, the likes of Nonto and Adams, do you think if they are going to stay, that it's likely to be tied to a new contract for them? I suspect so with Nonto, definitely, and potentially with Adams as well. I think there would have to be some carrot with it um, to persuade them that, that it was the right thing to do. It's slightly different 
position for Nonto to Adams, I think that at different stages of their career, Adams clearly USA captain already and has the World Cup coming up. But I don't necessarily feel that for either of them, a really good season in the championship, a promotion year in the championship would damage them or, or damage their reputation. I think in actual fact, somebody like Adams being in the thick of that and, and leading that or being in the middle of it would enhance his, his reputation. But it's a decision for them to take. And I think the reason why Adams, Jack Harrison, players like that, it's still difficult to be certain about what's going to happen is that the transfer market always gets busier and gets hotter in August. And that's when bids start coming. Um, that's when offers are made. That's when clubs tend to offer more as well. And that in no small way will influence what happens here. Have we had any steer on who might yet stay? Because we've been talking about Sinistera in recent weeks. You've tweeted about it as well, Phil. He'd basically be a cheat code in the championship, wouldn't he? Well, he should be provided he stays fit. And again, there isn't going to be anybody at Leeds who's objecting to the idea of, of him sticking around and being involved next season. I, I think he probably falls into the same category, really, as Harrison and Adams, that it's very possible that there comes a day where you get made an offer um, that you, you can't refuse. At the same time, if that doesn't happen, then this probably, you know, this probably relates to Marathi's comments about being aggressive, that actually, if you've got the opportunity to keep somebody like Sinistera, you do it. And as you say, he is a huge asset in the championship. He's the sort of player that most other championship clubs don't have or the, the level of talent that most um, championship clubs don't have. And potentially he makes a he makes a huge difference. But you know how the market works. I think the unpredictability there means that it's, it's quite hard to guess one way or the other. It's fair to say that Leeds are going to have to sell some players in order to generate yeah. some some revenue. Just that it's just the reality of losing, you know, however many ninety million quid or something, hundred million quid from being in the Premier League. I think that I think they'd minded to take an offer for Melier definitely if they get one that that is is good enough. I don't think there've been any firm approaches yet, but the fact that they're cracking on with goalkeepers and that, that wouldn't surprise me at all if that if that turns out to be next on the list after Ampudu makes you realise that they're looking for a change there. I think they also have to cover themselves in the goalkeeping department because they can't afford a scenario where midway through August, a, a big offer for Melier suddenly comes in, they sell him and, and they have to recruit something else at short notice. I think they want to know before the season starts who the first choice goalkeeper is going to be, um, ideally. And I still, at the back of my head, I still feel like somebody will test the water with Jack Harrison to an extent which makes it very difficult to keep him. He is he's a valuable player. He's a player who most, well, I say most, a lot of Premier League clubs would see value in, um, would think would do a good job for them. So I've, I, you know, I do wonder whether at some point in this window he will go. What sort of level do you think we're talking about? Um, finger in the air time for this one. Because Leeds in the past have been accused of, of selling players under their true market value. Could we see a, yeah, sh- a shift in approach and could, could Leeds, even from this position of weakness, is what I think you're going to go on to say here, aren't you, that we're in the Championship? Um, well, we... no, but, yeah, what, what I was going to say is that I, I don't know what the provision is, but there will almost certainly be a release clause. In fact, there is a release clause of some sort in Jack Harrison's deal. And if it's for a fixed price and a fixed fee, then it doesn't really become about can you get market value for them. Um, these clauses tend to work in a way where if somebody meets the asking price, the player is, is free to go for that amount of money. Um, so, yes, the chances are they wouldn't get... Put it this way, last summer... When Newcastle interested in Harrison, Radazani was talking about holding out for forty million pounds for him. I just don't see any way in which anybody will go to that this summer or have to go to that. Talking of transfers, Phil, then it leads me on to uh, Greta Steinson, I believe is the pronunciation. So apologies if I'm getting that wrong. My Icelandic is not yes. that, that particularly um, strong. Who came out of the blue really as one of the 
key appointments that the 49ers have uh, have made at Ellen Roads. And any clarity yet on what his role is going to be? We just know it's going to be somewhere within this new organisation because we've been talking for the last few weeks, haven't we, about maybe a slightly different approach rather than having it all in one um, sporting director's hands as it was with Victor Orta. I'm expecting him to be technical director and I think that will probably have been confirmed or announced by the time people are listening to this. It's been agreed and it's in place. It's just been properly finalised and, and sorted out. Um, the thing we'll look for when, when this is announced and when it's explained is the way in which the technical department, the, the scouting department is going to change and, and what Leeds plan to do to it. Clearly, you know, from 2017 onwards, they've had a director of football in Victor Otter who's had huge amounts of, of authority and has had a lot of control over recruitment, a lot of control over scouting, has pretty much overseen the whole thing. I think Leeds would like to fragment that more, um, to potentially to reduce the, the authority that one single person has. And something like Steinson coming in, you know, he, he will have scouts around him. I think they will expand the scouting department. It still does leave kind of scope, I think, or space for Leeds to go for a separate director of football, somebody else to to help oversee their operations, football operations, if they want that to happen. And you'll be you remember that when Nick Hammond was appointed as in, the interim um, transfer consultant, short term contract, and Hammond is still there, he will stay on in the meantime. And and I wonder whether if they have a good window, if they might be tempted to to stick with him for longer too. But when he came in, the, the club said that they were looking at a director of football. They were they were kind of setting the time scale as being September, October time when they would actually make an appointment. So they may well have further ideas uh, in their heads about what they will do beyond this. But in the meantime, Steinson will arrive as uh, as technical director um, or, or a title of that sort um, and will be involved in recruitment and scouting. Um, he's been at Tottenham for the last season as their performance director He's had previous jobs at Everton um, and also Fleetwood Town um, back in the day. So it seems to be seems to be well rated in the game. Seems to be well thought of. Doesn't strike me at all as a bad appointment. Sorry if you heard a noise then. By the way, when Phil was talking, we got a plinky plonky noise in our ears, didn't we? We were both baffled by that. I think it may have been my one of a, a tab I had up in the background. That's, uh, like, I think the Leeds United ticket site might have just let me in. <laughs> so apologies. It sounded, for that. Like, it sounded like in the night garden. <laughs> Um, anyway, um, back to uh, back to business. Um, Lee Dykes was one of the names that was mentioned. Who's the technical guy, technical director, I believe, or similar at uh, Brentford? Anything in that? Could he join um, our Icelandic friend, uh, or is that one not going to happen now? He, he has certainly been mentioned in dispatches, and there were there were more than one interview done. It wasn't that um, Steinson was the the only candidate for this, but he is the the one that Leeds have chosen for this specific role. If, like I say, they do decide that they want something a bit more overarching, and they do want somebody more senior again to either oversee this or, or kind of you know being charged to, to an extent, then you do wonder if further appointment down the line might open the door for, for somebody else. He, he's done a good job, um, Lee Dykes at Brentford, and again, is is well thought of, but he's been, is not the not the top man there um, by any stretch. They, they have a director of football as well. So one to watch um, and one to see how, how that develops. But for now, it's it's Steinson coming in the door. Do you think what we've seen so far fits with the, the words we've heard from Pereg Marate? Um, They're the getting moving, they're trying to put a robust structure in place. I would have said so, yeah, um, and a slightly different structure as well. I don't think they want the club to operate exactly as it has for the past two or three years, and I think, I guess they have to be more mindful of making changes on the recruitment front than than anywhere else because that that is what has done the most damage in the end. That's what what hasn't worked, and I think 
the summer to this point has been a fairly damning indictment of what's been done in the transfer market over the past couple of years. The number of players who who've gone on loan. In some cases, those loans will the club would would see them as strategic. You know, a way of moving wages off the wage bill, um, a way of avoiding making transfers at a loss, um, which mean that you get you get hit in an FFP sense. But at the same time, they're not making any cash on these signings at all. You know, it looks like everybody is moving on or will move on for a loss, give or take. I mean, you still have the possibility that Brendan Aronson has a great season at Union Berlin, so his value holds. But if he doesn't, it's hard to see Leeds recouping the kind of 25 million that was was put up for him. Too many signings that, that haven't worked. And I think that will be a major, major priority for 49ers Enterprises because that that ultimately is what gets you gets you out of the championship and establishes you well in the Premier League. I guess um, selling from a position of greater strength if we were to get back up would be helpful as well when absorbing some losses on on transfers maybe is not such a bad thing when you've got far more revenue coming in from the TV money in the Premier League. Yeah, you can definitely cope. It's it's different financial world up there and and has been for a long time now. And and that that is why I was saying about Ampadu, you know, I think £7 million rising to £10 million is, is a pretty big splash in the Championship. It's not as if clubs don't from time to time go further than that. But I think expecting much more to be spent on individual players is is asking a lot at this level. Just to clear one thing up, there's been that story has emerged about um, Barcelona still owing Rafi- uh, £40 million for Rafinha. Um, can you just clarify that that fee has been paid up front? Because as I understand it, my reading of it was that this was a story in Spain about how much they still owe from a financial fair play perspective, which is not actual money. It's how it shows up in their accounts. So they might have to account for £40 million worth of payments towards Rafinha in their accounts, but the money has already been paid. Two separate things. I honestly can't answer that because I haven't checked it out yet. Um, but all I can say is that there were quotes from Radrazani back in September, August, September time, I think, which said that it had been sorted. Um, and the indication from the club was that it would be paid up front by a set date. So I do need to look into that um, and we'll get back to you. Nice one, Phil. Well, um, lovely to speak. We've got um, another show towards the back end of this week. And then we've got one at the start of next week and then you're away for 10 days. Um, so we'll hopefully be able to then get back together just before the, the Cardiff game, maybe even on the morning itself. We could do a live stream. That'd be exciting. Well, wouldn't it just? Wouldn't it just? <laughs> to start the season off. But um, yeah, enjoy the rest of your week. We look forward to it being a busy week. Is it going to be a busy week? You think there's going to be plenty more to follow um, Ampadu through the door? I think it will start to pick up now, yeah. And and now that they are in sole control and have full control of the club, there is really nothing stopping them beyond um, financial limits, you know. But I, I don't think he'll be the last one coming in. I, I do think they'll carry on being active. Lovely stuff, Phil. Right, we'll uh, watch the week with interest. We'll catch up later in the week. See you soon. The Square Ball Podcast. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.